His people, and Almighty God will be with them. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, no more pain. Former things have all passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write these words, for they are faithful and true. And it is done, it is done, it is done, it is done, He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning. Great. 
and Omega, the beginning and the end. Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of everything, He is Lord. Well, thank you so much, guys. For making, for driving home that point. Amen. He's the Lord of everything. Well, if you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Zechariah. Zach, now, Zechariah is in the Bible. It really is. The book of Zechariah. To give you a little hint, it's just, it's just, uh, well, it's, you what? It's after Haggai. It's after Haggai, right. If you would turn to Zechariah, we want to look at Zechariah this morning. And then uh, we'll look at uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20. We want to look at Revelation. We'll look at Zechariah. And I want to continue a sermon. Uh, our sermon series, and so uh, uh, we uh, will be looking at Old Testament and trying to bring them in together. So we'll look at the Old Testament, and go ahead and, if you would, find Revelation. Go ahead and find Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, and we'll look at that. Revelation chapter 20. And then we'll bring both of these together. Revelation chapter 20. Um, Zechariah chapter 14. And then we'll look at Revelation 20. I want to speak to you this morning in a sermon that I've entitled, The Great Restoration. The Great Restoration... Zechariah 14 prophesies about that great restoration. Zechariah 14. Look at verse 4. Speaking about a prophecy of Jesus. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great, a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And then if you will, turn to the book of Revelation, and we're going to look at verse, uh, one, uh, verses 1 through 10, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 10, and from selected verses from those 10 verses. For the past three weeks, we've looked at biblical prophecies that relates to the second coming of Jesus. Week one, we, we talked about the physical signs of the coming of Christ, looking for His coming. And we looked at some physical signs in regards to the coming of Christ. In week two, we looked at the rapture. Uh, the Lord returns for His saints. And when He returns for His saints, He returns in the air and He doesn't set His feet down upon the earth. He just kindly hovers above the earth and He raptures His church. He calls His church up to be with Him. I entitled that the great... 
catchaway or the great snatchaway, I believe it was. And so the return of the Lord for his saints. And then last week, we talked about the great tribulation, the earth dwellers. So after the church is taken up by the Lord, the Antichrist will come and there'll be seven years of great tribulation. Jesus referred to it as great tribulation. And so at the rapture, those who belong to Christ will be taken and those who, not, who do not belong to Christ will be left and they will go through that great tribulation period. And so today I want to share with you the sermon I've entitled the great restoration revelation chapter 19 says that the lord will return to earth and he's going to return with his saints at the end of the tribulation and when he returns to earth with his saints there is going to be a restoration so the lord is going to he's going to come at the rapture and he's going to appear in the air and he's going to rapture the church and snatch the church away but then there's coming a time where christ will come and set his feet down on the earth according to zechariah 14 verse 4 there at the mount of olives this is referred to in theological circles as the second coming and so he's coming with his saints at the end of the tribulation. And when he returns to earth with his saints, there's going to be this great restoration. There's going to be a time of peace on the earth. There's going to be a time when nature will be restored to its original state all the way back to where uh, when God created the heavens and the earth and he had Adam and Eve and everything was glorious and everything was peaceful. We're going, to be, we're going back to that period of state, uh, this earth nature will be restored to its original state. Now the Bible also tells us that this restoration has a number and this restoration has a name. In Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 10, for time's sake I'm not going to read all of this but I'm going to refer to some verses and in those 10 verses there, you will notice that at least six times there are verses that says a thousand years. A thousand years. Look at 20, Revelation 20, verse 2. It says at the end of that verse that the devil and Satan is bound uh, and bound him a thousand years. Look at verse 3. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed for a season. Look at verse 4. At the end of that verse it, it speaks of Christians and in their hands uh, it, it says and they lived and reigned with Christ a, a thousand years. Now this this uh, the number thousand is where we get the word millennia. Millennia, millennium, Millennium means a thousand years. And so there are three major views, doctrinal views, when we think about the millennial, the thousand-year reign of Christ. There is the post-millennial view. And I'm going to go over these very briefly in just a moment. There's the post-millennial view. There is the amillennial view. And there is the premillennial view. Now, first of all, you have the post-millennial view as it relates to this thousand-year reign of Christ. There's those who believe today, some who believe today, that Jesus will come after the millennium. This view believes that because of man's effort, the world is going to get better and better and better and better and it will get so good that Jesus is going to come back to reign over a perfect world. Now that's one view. 
Now let me say, there are not very many today who have this post-millennial view. It's very hard to find anybody today who is a post-millennial, especially since two world wars, the, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War. It doesn't appear that the world is getting any better. It's not getting better. It's really getting worse. And so really there's not very many today believe in this post-millennial view. Then you have this amillennial view. Now when you put an A in front of the word in the Greek, that A negates the word. Uh, so amillennial literally means that there's not going to be a, liter uh, there's not gonna be a millennial. The amillennials believe that there's not going to be a literal thousand-year reign. The amillennials' view is that we are in the millennium now. They really feel that. They feel like the Old Testament prophecies in regards to Israel really is symbolically speaking about the church today. And so we are in that millennial uh, thousand-year reign today. Since Jesus came, we've been in the millennium. All this time, they feel we've been in the millennial. But now there's a problem with that view. Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 10 talks about Satan being bound. And that's another sermon for another day. But here's the question. Do you really believe with all the evil that's in the world today that Satan has been bound? I don't believe he's been bound. As one commentary said, if he is, that's the longest chain that they'd ever seen in their life. I'm not a post-millennialist. I'm not an all-millennialist. But I've, I am a premillennialist. I have the premillennial view. Now let me explain this view. The premillennial view is that Jesus is going to come back before the millennial. When he comes back, he's going to establish his millennial reign, his thousand-year reign upon the earth. That's what I believe that the Bible teaches. You say, well, Brother Samuel, why do you believe that? I jotted down uh, six reasons why I believe that. Judy called this morning. I was at the church, and she said, do you need this sheet of paper uh, that you left in the kitchen that says why I believe there's a literal thousand-year reign? I said, I sure do. If you would, don't, uh, if you don't mind, bring that. So she brought it. And I just jotted down six reasons why I believe uh, in a thousand-year kingdom on earth. First of all, number one, to fulfill Old Testament promises to Israel. There are, there, there are several promises in the Old Testament that relate primarily to Israel in which the church would not be able, uh, and it would not, they would not be able to be fulfilled with the church. Or in the church. Secondly, to give a public display of Christ's glory to the nations on earth. Amen. Third, to answer the prayer of the saints. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And then to fulfill the promise to the church in regards to the rule of Christ. And then to bring about the complete promise of redemption to nature. Romans 8, 19 through 22, that hasn't occurred yet. And then number 6, to give mankind one final trial under the sovereign rule of Jesus Christ. Friend, listen, I believe with all my heart that there's going to be a restoration and Christ will return and restore to the earth 
its Garden of Eden state, and there will be perfect peace and a kingdom reign by the Lord Jesus for a thousand years upon this earth. Amen. Now, uh, now it, there's going to be a number. Secondly, there's going to be a name. The millennial reign is referred to in the scripture as the kingdom. Now, Luke chapter 1, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 1. You need to see this. Luke chapter 1. There's going to be a kingdom. There's going to be a name. There's going to be a kingdom. Luke chapter 1. Now, in Luke chapter 1, you have some predictions given to Mary before Jesus was born. Look at Luke chapter 1 and look at verse 31. <coughs> predictions to Mary before Jesus was born. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son... Now, did that literally happen? It did. That literally happened. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Did that literally happen? That literally happened. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. In other words, he'll be called the Son of God. Did that literally happen? That literally happened. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David... Now that will literally take place. Verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. That will literally take place. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That will literally take place. Amen. Those will literally come to pass. And so there's going to be a great restoration... Friend, listen, there will be a thousand years of peace on earth and the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reign. Now look back at Revelation chapter 20 and look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, I saw thrones and, he that set up, and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witnesses of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, Neither uh, had he received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Look, if you will, at um, verse 6. Blessed and, well, look at, verse, uh, look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed in verse 6, And holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God in Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So one of these days, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, according to Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, when the Lord sets his feet down upon the Mount of Olives, it's going to tremble, it's going to split, it's going to divide in half and Christ will march from the Mount of Olives down through the Kidron Valley up the hill through the eastern gate to Mount Zion into a temple which hasn't been built in which the Dome of the Rock now stands. And the new temple will be built in that place and Christ will go into the temple and sit down upon the throne to rule and reign for a thousand years from that throne. 
Now, when you go to Jerusalem, you'll go to the Eastern Gate. It's really interesting because centuries ago, they, bore, they concreted uh, the, the Eastern Gate. Um, they, they, they really don't believe in Christ. The Jews haven't accepted Christ as the Messiah. And also, this is the birthplace of, of uh, Islam and the birthplace of Christianity. And there on, there on the Temple Mount, where the temple would be built, is the Dome of the Rock. And after the temple was destroyed and uh, the Palestinians went in and over centuries ago built this, well, it's the third most holiest place in Islam. And they built the Dome of the Rock. I've been in that dome. And that dome is going to have to be torn down and a new temple is going to have to be reconstructed. Think of what that's going to cost. Not cost, but cause. Amen. To have that temple, to have the dome taken down and torn down and a new temple built up. But the, what I was going to share with you, you know, neither Jude nor Islam believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so, but just in case... They fill the eastern gate with concrete where he can't go through. I thought that's kind of neat. Now listen. He's going to sit on the throne of David. He's going to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. And to be quite honest with you, I can't wait to live in a world where Jesus Christ will rule and only he will rule. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great thousand years. Like I mentioned a few years ago, been several years ago now, I had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem and I and, and toured made made the tour there and and I can remember the last night there going out and sitting on my balcony in the hotel room and I was probably three or four floors up. I was looking out over the city and, and I just hated to leave. I mean I just hated to leave. I'm thinking, you know, I just hate to leave this place. And then all of a sudden God spoke to me. And he said, but you coming back. <laughs> now, you may not have been in Jerusalem, but you need to say, I haven't been in Jerusalem yet, if you're a Christian. Because one of these days, you're going to, you're going to go to Jerusalem. Hey. Now, just think about going to Jerusalem. Just think about going into the city. And, and as I looked at that visit there, I, I decided that's not going to be my first, that was my first trip. It's not going to be my only trip. I'm going to take another trip to that city and I'm going to walk through the streets and it's going to be a little different than when I went that first trip. Because you see, when I went on that first trip, there were policemen everywhere and there were armed soldiers everywhere. There's not going to be any policemen and there's not going to be any armed soldiers when I go back to Jerusalem. Amen. Micah 4 verse 3, listen to what he says. He says, And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nations shall not lift up a sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. There's no need for policemen. There's not going to be any need for soldiers. It's going to be perfect peace in that city when I go back. Well, maybe I'll get to go back prior to that time. But I know when I go back when Christ is there, it's going to be perfect peace. You, and there were flower stands everywhere. 
And I can imagine going up to a flower stand and, and looking at the roses and saying, man, where'd you get these beautiful roses? And they'd say, well, don't you remember Isaiah 35 verse 1 when the Bible says the desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose? It shall blossom abundantly because the Lord shall reign in Mount Zion. That's going to be great. Go to a hospital. Just think, go to check out a hospital, and all of a sudden there's a closed door, a closed sign on the door of the hospital. And you say, man, what's wrong with the hospital? And that's well, haven't you read in Isaiah 33, 24, that the inhabitants shall not say, it shall, shall say, or shall not say, I am sick because the Lord reigns in Mount Zion. Not going to be any sickness anymore there in Jerusalem. And then you make your trip up Mount Zion Hill and you go there to the temple and you go into the to the new temple and there sits Jesus Christ on the throne and you get almost to him you see the angels all around him and you just go and you just cast your crowns before him and you just begin to sing all hell the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate fall bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord Lord of all you see one of these days there's going to be a restoration. And it will have a number, 1,000 years, the millennial. And it will have a name, the millennial kingdom. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And as we close with this, listen to Acts chapter 1. Familiar passage. In Acts chapter 1, if you will, look at verse 6. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in your own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken in verse 9 these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner, as you've seen him go into heaven. Friend, one of these days, and I believe real soon, one of these days, Jesus is coming for his saints, which is the rapture. They'll be taken. Those that belong uniquely to him, been born again. Those that don't will be left behind. And then there'll be a great tribulation time. And those that are left behind will experience a horror that has never been heard of or thought of, imagined in all of time. And then there will be a second coming of Jesus to earth with his saints to the Mount of Olives. And he'll walk down from the Mount of Olives through the Eastern Gate to the Temple Mount, to his throne, set upon the throne and will reign for a thousand years and a restored Israel and earth. Perfect peace. Now what do we do unto them? We wait on the Lord. We witness of the Lord. 
and we remember. That's what all this is about today. We remember. We remember. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. And as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, just use this time as meditation. And as I read something that I found really spoke to me, I'd like for you to just listen and begin to prepare your heart as we prepare to remember the Lord's death. The father swallowed. He looked at the prince of light. The darkness will be great, he said. He passed his hand over the spotless face of his son. He went on. The pain will be awful. And then he paused and he looked at his darkened dominion. And when he looked up, his eyes were moist. And then he declared, but there's no other way. The son looked into the stars as he heard the answer. Then let it be done. Slowly the words that would kill the son began to come from the lips of the father. Hour of death, moment of sacrifice. It is your moment. Rehearsed a million times on false altars with false lambs. The moment of truth has come. Oh my son, my child, look up into the heavens and see my face before I turn it. Hear my voice before I silence it. Would that I could save you and them, but they don't see and they don't hear. The living must die so that the dying can live. The time has come to kill the lamb. God must have wept as he performed his task. Every lie, every lure, every act done in the shadows was in that cup. Slowly and hideously, the sun absorbed them into his body. This was the final act of the incarnation. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to just reflect this morning upon your willingness to come and die on a cross for our sins. We don't know when you'll come back. Help us just to wait. Help us to witness to others that they too can make the trip and the return. And help us, Father, to remember the love that you showed for us and your willingness to die on the cross and be that complete sacrifice. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
said, Dear children, watch the land. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. We must be sure the land doesn't run away. And then I told I said, dear children, watch the land. When we reached the sea, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshipers, no joyful worship songs. I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men. Then I heard the crowd cry, Crucify Him! We tried to leave the city, but we could not get away. Forced to play this drama, a part I did not wish to play. Why upon this day were men condemned to die? And why were we standing here where soon they would pass by? I looked and said, Even now they come. The first one cried for mercy. People gave him love. Second one was fine. He was arrogant and loud. Still can hear his angry voice screaming at the crowd. Did someone say there's Jesus? I scarce believe my eyes. A man so badly beaten, he barely looked alive. Blood poured from his body, the thorns upon his brow, running down the cross, falling to the ground. I never felt such agony. I never felt such loss until a soldier grabbed my hand and screamed, "You!" His The blood that he'd been shedding 
was running down my cheek. They let us tear God off. They drove nails deep into his feet and hands. Yet upon the cross, I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. He prayed, then he I stood for what seemed like years I'd lost all sense of time Then I felt two tiny hands Holding tight to mine My children stood there weeping And I heard the oldest say Father, please forgive us So much that we don't understand. So I took them in my arms and we turned to face the cross. And I said, Dear children, watch the land. 